Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of The Lash Tribe Show. My name is Julia Mann and I am the owner and founder of Lash Tribe. We help create successful and fully booked lash artists all over the world with the help of our online and in-person training programs. And in today's episode of The Lash Tribe Show, I am very, very excited, very inspired to introduce to you Courtney Bueller from Sugar Lash Pro. I have known Courtney for quite a few years and she is one of the brands that I follow very closely. Her branding is amazing. Her Instagram following is over 160,000. This woman has built in the last seven years a $20 million brand. And we are going to dive deep and get to know her a little bit better as well. But talk about Instagram and how it's evolved and also where she sees the industry going and the kind of mistakes she made along the way as well. This episode is amazing. I could have talked to Courtney for another hour, but we're obviously going to have to keep these episodes a little bit shorter, but maybe I'll bring her back another time to dive deeper into business and marketing because she is an absolute, absolute genius. I have actually taken away some tips for myself that I will be implementing in 2021. So with any further ado, let's dive into the episode. Make me want to work for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're a hustler. You would do well and you're strong. Right now, like we're doing this huge blowout sale because I'm redoing all the packaging. I have to do a live tonight because everyone thinks we're going out of business. So maybe just talking about the fact that it's hard when you're 25 or 26 and you're managing people that are like 47 and whatever and you're, you know, calling them on their shit. I think the culture at Sugar Lash Pro is we don't we don't like delegate down, we like support them. Everyone, I am here with Courtney Bueller from Sugar Lash Pro today. I'm so excited to have you. I'm very excited to be here. This is like my first kind of international thing in a while. So I'm I know to Australia. <laughs> yes, it definitely has been well overdue. I actually miss catching up with people at conferences. I feel like I'm really missing this part. But at the same time, I'm also glad that I'm not traveling so much. Do you like feel that similar? <laughs> yeah, like I think when COVID hit was like my craziest travel month. I was supposed to go to Japan, uh, Amsterdam I did go to. And then there was one other place. I Was it New Zealand or Australia that I was supposed to come to? That So it was like three really, really like intercontinental flights. Mm-hmm. And I was so worn down. And so I was like, you know, bring on the travel restrictions. But now I'm like, I would go anywhere. Get yes, you yeah. got the travel itch again. Yeah, we just went on a we went on a vacation actually last is a couple weeks ago we just went in Canada but we went to um the coast and went surfing and and whatever so a little staycation I guess but that's awesome well I love this we have to I guess now travel in our little bubble that we have and it's fine I get to know Australia a little bit more but it's not about us traveling it really is about (laughs) you and finding out a little bit more about you I think Probably 99.99% of the people that are watching this or listening to it know who Courtney Bueller is, especially who is Sugar Lash Pro. But in case this 0.1% has no idea who you are, just introduce yourself a little bit and how you got to open up this huge brand and how it, I guess, evolved over the years. How did it all start? Well, it started... I was 19 when I got lash extensions done for the first time and I have the teeniest little lashes. And so 
uh, fell in love with them, like instantly obsessed with them. I'm kind of like that just personality wise, like if I'm into something, I'm so into it and was broke, was a single mom, ended up cleaning my lash lady's house just so I could get lashes because that's how obsessed I was with them. And then um, was annoying her at every appointment being like, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? How do you know what lengths to use? What curls are you using? And she's like, oh my gosh, just go take a course. And so I did, started that, started my lash career just part-time, grew that into a salon and then started Sugar Lash Pro. Uh, we just had our seven year anniversary this year, which wow. is crazy to me. It doesn't feel like that long. It kind of doesn't feel that long. And then it also feels like it's been a lifetime, but um, yeah, we're in 90 plus countries around the world. I don't know how many thousands of lash artists, but uh, very, very, a lot. I don't know, still <laughs> mind boggled every day at, yeah. at what it is and what it's turned into. Now that you've had your company for, for seven years, how do you feel Let's let me take it back. If it was 10 years, let's pretend that like starting your company today instead of those seven or 10 years ago, because I think you talk about like the seven year itch and things are always kind of turning over mm -hmm. at around the seven year mark. And I know that you're redoing a lot of your programs right now as well. Um, what do you think starting your company today instead of seven years ago, you would need to do differently in today's kind of market or climate? How has the industry mm -hmm. changed? the climate of the industry of how the people engage with brands i don't well definitely digital is obviously where we're kind of forced into and we're pivoted yeah. into that corner lucky for us i mean the the saving grace through covid and everything was because we already had those online programs which you had as well right and so that was really cool and i kind of i guess forecasted that somewhat that that was where education was going um but I think, you know, someone trying to break into the latch industry now, or even not any industry really is like, you're really going to have to bring something different to the table. Like it's like almost impossible to just break into the market and just, you know, carry more lashes or more this or more that even online training now is getting to that point where there's the big players that have their, you know, stuff. And so the people that are making waves still in that kind of like new, you know, new sense are, are just doing something wildly different, grabbing people's attention. How do you come up with new ideas? Because I personally find it very difficult. Five years ago, it was easy because there was not many people doing the same stuff. But I feel now as a brand owner, the market is really saturated. How do you personally come up with new ideas? Do you have any strategies you'd like to share with me personally? I am... Um... I just look at what the big brands are doing always like it's like the lash industry is quite small and we're very new but there's lots of industries like the hair industry or even the fashion industry education industry and just like what are the big people doing that have astronomical amounts of money and can I do that on a smaller scale and and just starting there but really I think it's just about I mean my strategy has always been about making waves so sugar lash pro if people aren't familiar like there's been many points in the last seven years that everything's been highly controversial. Online training was a big thing. People were up in arms about it. I was going to ruin the industry and I was, right. it was all going to come crumbling down. And um, there's been a wildly uncomfortable points where like even, you know, colleagues and stuff are like against it. And then, you know, you prove them wrong and you, you just trudge forward and, um, you know, hope for the best. And when it's not the best, you pivot, right? And so I think, yeah, I get inspiration from, I mean, a lot of industries that aren't our industry. I think just this year, actually, I've really stopped paying attention to competitive. Like I used to really keep a keen eye, like what are people doing? What are people saying in our industry? Um, I've really pulled away from that. Like I, I don't, I don't pay attention to anything that some, anyone else is doing. If there's a big like 
announcement that happens in the latch industry, like my team will brief me on it and be like, oh, so-and-so just launched this or, or whatever. And um, I'm kind of unfazed at this point just because I don't, I want to pivot so far away from what everyone else is doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love that, looking at different industries. I feel the same way about copywriting. I love to write ads myself still. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when I read stuff that is available in the lash industry, I always try to look at other industries like the headlines, other maybe even trying to capture someone's attention with a headline that really has nothing to do with the industry. So it's really about thinking outside the box, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of people in the last few years have tried to copy Sugar Lash Pro in terms of Instagram. I know that your business is wildly successful, a lot to do with Instagram, of course. You are like 161,000 followers. That's probably the biggest following that any Lash page on Instagram has, right? That's a lot I think of we're like we're top, we're top three, I think. Yes. Yeah. There's, yeah, we're up there. That's amazing. So if someone wants to start to do Instagram, they have absolutely no clue about it. What would you tell them? How did you grow your business via Instagram? Uh, well, visuals have always been super, super important to me. Like right from day one, even though I didn't have the budget, it was like I was wheeling and dealing to get like models for free and get them free lashes and make sure I had an amazing photographer. Um, I think a lot of people cheap out on the wrong things if that makes sense like for us because we've been so visually focused for so long now our visuals are to this level that's like you can instantly recognize them i mean i hope that you can when you come across them um and yeah i feel like that's really set us apart um and then just cohesiveness it's just like you have to have such a strong brand you have to have the same typography every time you use it not that it won't evolve but it's like you should have a photography style. You should have a palette that you're using. You should have a way that you speak to your clients. And as long as you're keeping that consistent, then people, if, if someone resonates, they're going to resonate for the long term, right? They're not going to like fall out of love with you because um, you're going to stay the same. It's like a relationship, right? Like it gets hard when people start wildly changing and you're like, whoa, like you used to be so different. And I think that happens in business all the time where people just change on their clients. Um, not that businesses won't evolve, but you always need to be speaking to your same ideal client, right? You can't like turn your back and just start going after this new market because then you lose all of that, you know, the following that you did have. So I think that's why we've been able to like attract and retain a lot of the people that follow us. Yeah, I'm actually looking at it right now and we're going to insert um, a little screenshot of your Instagram page here. My Instagram is a weird right now because of the sale, but go back a little <laughs> bit to where it was pretty. I'm, I'm scrolling right now. Um, I'm re I will be recording it again to show everyone, but it's just so high end and kind of a little bit avant-garde, like fashion, mm -hmm. like crazy. It's, it's very, um, yeah, just high end. I think that's what everyone thinks right away. Do you think as a brand, it is important to really know exactly what you want to be? And you know, a lot of people evolve, like you said, yep. but to really stick to that and that's the type of people you would attract as well. Totally. And we always say that like with Sugar Lash Pro, um, you know, like we're so happy to have any customer, but there's definitely like, there is customers I don't want to shop with us, if that makes sense. Oh, right. Yeah. Like we're not the brand that's going to attract the bargain shopper, the people that are wanting, you know, the cheap, fast stuff or cutting corners. Like we deal with the people that want to do everything to the highest level, which is why we present our visuals like that. And it's just like, 
if, if it's world-class visuals and it's world-class branding, then we're going to attract world-class artists. And so that's the people that we really go after. We want the people that are like backstage at the fashion shows or going to house calls and celebrities in LA and, and all of that stuff. That's who we're trying to go after. So what would they want in a brand? What's going to resonate with them? I'm like super inspired by him. Tom Ford is just like my like ultimate, like I love everything he does. And he does a lot of his own photography and he does like movie direction and everything is like very, um, I don't know, he's just not scared of anything, right? Like he has the cologne that's like fabulous, like that's literally what it's called. And it's like, they have to like blur it out in the drugstores, but it's like, it gets people talking. And that's always how I've tried to be where it's just like, there's no fear and you're gonna, maybe I'm gonna offend you at some point. Maybe I'm gonna do something that ruffles your feathers, but hopefully in the end, full circle, you're gonna see the intention was always really good, you know, behind it. And so just not to be scared to, you know, be different. Yeah, I really, really love it. And I feel like the photos are just, that like you think they are all stock photography, just the way they have been done so do you do a lot of your own photography still or do you have a team that now does a lot of it I still am like the creative director of all the shoots and so like for any shoot that we do I always will cast the models do all the makeup looks do the mood board do all the inspiration behind it and then I do a 10 set to make sure that the lighting is how I want it but there's definitely a team like we've had um models like we, we worked with like supermodels heather marks you you might not know her down there but she's like this like huge and been on like the cover of like 12 vogue magazines and and whatever so we've done big campaigns where we've flown a whole team in right now because of covid we have a smaller team that's closer um but it's still i mean on any given um campaign shoot we have no less than six people up to 10 people working on stuff and that's like hair artists makeup artists photographer, lighting, um, assistant, obviously me, and then models. Um, so it's, it's a big thing when we do it, but it's like always, it's like what gives me life, like just creating yeah. that and being in and control you of it. Can. You can do that now, you know, you have a multi-million dollar brand, you're well known all over the world, but how did yeah. it start for you? How did Instagram start? You weren't able to have 10 people in a team right away to do photo shoots and stuff like that. So for anyone who's watching or listening, what do you recommend how they start out? You know, I should send you, Julie, I should send you the first campaign that we ever did. I don't know if you remember it back in the day. Do you remember how Sugar Lash, when it started, it was like pink? No, I don't. Because I, I think I only really started to take note of brands about five or six years ago. Okay, well, when we started, it was like, I hate pink personally. Like, if you know the brand, the brand is such a reflection of me, like the Sugar Lash is me incarnate in a business, but um, it was like hot pink. And my first photo shoot ever, I had a photographer friend and she, I did pay her for her time. I think, I think it was like $600 for the day or something like money well spent. And then models, I just got them all like free lashes. Some of them weren't models. Some of them were clients that were really pretty. And then I hired a makeup artist and I said, can you just do this for free? And I'll just give you credit for it. So we kept it like very small. Um, and those images now looking back on it is so funny. That's actually how Sugar Lash, um, the name came about was because of this photo shoot. So I had this vision in my head, which is so funny because it's so off brand now, but um, pink lips, there was like sprinkles on the lips. It was like this polka dotted, like tattoo lips and whatever. Um, and I just wanted something that was like, feminine and whatever. I actually wanted to call Sugar Lash back in the day. I was going to call it Fat Lash. 
And people didn't like that, but I thought it was whatever. I just thought it was like punchy, right? Like that was memorable. And then I wanted to call it lash job as a play on like a boob job. <laughs> people thought it sounded too much like a hand job. And so yeah. then we just got like all whatever. So then I was like, okay, we'll call it sugar lash. And um, truth be told, I, I hate the name. That's, but I don't hate it. Everyone loves it. Like whenever we work with editors in New York, they're always like, no, it's good because it's like, the lashes are kind of like natural and like sugar's natural. Like everyone makes these connections with it that it was never in my brain. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it is very memorable. And so it's not like some, you know, generic name that's going to get lost in the shuffle. It's kind of like an interesting name that you're like, what does that mean? What was the thought behind it? Yeah. Truth be told, there wasn't a lot of thought behind it, but here we are and that's the name. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you can just jump ahead and call it something different all of a sudden. Exactly. Right. Well, now right. I've got to switch yeah. different product lines and different lines of business and I can call them what I want. <laughs> I want to dive a little bit deeper into Instagram. Mm-hmm. Instagram has, uh, over the last couple of years especially, has gotten so many new features. And I just wondered how you guys utilize it in your business. So you have your Instagram stories, you have the shop option, you have your Instagram reels, which literally just came out a couple of months. I don't even know exactly how long ago, but it's very yeah. new. What do you utilize it and how do you utilize it for your business growth? We just try and, you know, just focus on content. And so if it's, you know, if it's a shorter form thing, we, you know, we'll put it on the wall and then we'll put it on the story, kind of keep those cohesive. If it's just kind of like a one-off messaging, we'll keep that just to the wall. And then if it's like something that's a little bit more in depth, obviously we'll put that on IGTV or Reels. Um, It just depends the message that we're trying to get out. I think for me, I always like really value efficiency in marketing. So it's like some people are only going to open their emails and some people are only going to be on Instagram or whatever. So it's like utilizing those platforms and making sure that you're, you know, cross posting whenever you can. If we do an IGTV reel, we're for sure going to throw it up on YouTube as well because there's different markets there. So I think the strategy is more so what's the content? How long is it going to take us to get this message out? Do we need to do longer form, shorter form? And how important is it? So if it's less important, just wall. If it's more important, stories and wall. If it's really important or really in-depth reels, and we just kind of schedule it out like that. Yeah, I love that. And I, I do pretty much the same, just trying to reutilize the content as well and share across the social media. Um, With the stories, do you do some of the behind the scenes kind of thing? Like, are people interested in that, your type type of target market? Or are they more about the whole high fashion, I like it because it's pretty, but they don't really care so much about the behind the scenes? I think both. I think because we, like as a brand, we always are doing so much like business coaching as well with Accelerator and our business modules, that they do like to see how it's all created. Like, I don't think that, you'd realize how big of a team it takes to do the campaigns that we do do. Um, And I do think that people appreciate because, you know, at the end of the day, we are marketing to entrepreneurs who are building their businesses. Right. So I think that it's always as interesting. We have really high engagement when we do our behind the scenes. Um, But it's also just fun for us as a brand to like time capsule it all. Right. And just be like, this is a lot of work, like, and, and just document it. It's like those little wins, right. That you take and you're like, man, that was a cool shoot. Like, I don't know if you remember back in the day, that pool shoot we did, but we like rented out this, um, it was a really small team. Actually, there was a, a team of two photographers, one makeup artist, then me. And we rented out this like pool at a country club and we waited till it was dark. And then we had like lights under the pool and um, did behind the scenes on that. It's like still one of my favorite videos to look back on. Cause it was just oh, so cool. And- cool with the models and 
It was fun. How long ago was that? Can I still find that somewhere? I'm really interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can send. I can send you some photos uh, from it. It was probably two years ago. Still one of my favorite shoots, and we did lots of video with it too. So awesome! If anyone is interested, um, I can always get like a link together and put it in the show notes as well for people. To I think something else that's different about us that that lots of brands don't do is like we don't do product specific campaigns we've always done campaigns just to like elevate the brand and so lots of people will say okay i'm launching this i need to do a campaign for this not that we don't do that we do do that but i just wanted such a huge huge bank of like amazing visuals that we could repurpose for a long time when you spend the money on creating like such beautiful content then it lasts you so much longer it's not just like a a photo that you're like yeah it's okay and then it's gonna last you a couple weeks like these lots of campaigns that we use we use it for like six months because it's just like such high quality stuff and you can crop it down and you can zoom in and when you have high-res photos right you can close up of the eye maybe originally it was a shot of like a landscape and a model but we're gonna take it to here take it to here you know and 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 repurpose it and make a collage and do all that stuff so um being i don't know a little bit frugal i guess with what you have (laughs) do you plan your grids ahead of time or do you just go oh I feel like this fits now and then you might have something else in between that you want to fit because I know a lot of people have like two or three weeks worth of content and they pre-plan everything I could never do that because I'm too like shiny syndrome type thing and I do lots of different things whenever I feel like it how do you do it I'm the same way my I have a marketing team now so they kind of plan out they but only like 10 days like not very long because I just want to like make sure that we can pivot when we need to Um, I'm not neurotic about the feed because we have so many like cohesive images we can just pull and put nothing's going to look out of place minus the sales stuff right now which is driving me a little bit bonkers but it's fine it's a different time let's talk about the sales kind of thing because this is something uh, where you said in the beginning when we chatted that's something people kind of misunderstand about what you guys are going through right now. So yeah, just talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Like COVID was really hard on us. We have, you know, as a huge company, we have a lot of overhead costs. Like we have, you know, almost 40 staff. We have two 18,000 square foot warehouses. We have like, it's a lot of overhead. And so when COVID hit and salon shut down, our revenue was like down like 90%. The only thing that was saving us was those courses, but everyone was scared and, you know, no one wanted to spend money and whatever. So it was really, really tough for us. And so, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot. It's very stressful, laid off a lot of people. They're all back now, thankfully, but, um, kind of just, I don't know. It made me like put everything into perspective on, you know, this year's a write-off, right? Like 2020 is a write-off and we've been doing so many things for so long. And it was like something big needs to happen in 2021 if we're going to come out of this stronger than we were. And so I just made the decision and it literally was like, I want to say three weeks ago um, that I was like, we need to get rid of all of this old packaging and we need an influx of cash so that we can do all the new stuff because it's not some little investment, right? We're talking about like hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of lashes. And so um, we decided to blow it out like as like at cost almost. Um, but just making sure, you know, it's, it's stock and it's been sitting there for a long time. Not, not a long time, but you know what I mean? Like sitting. Yeah. And um, 
and needed warehouse space, needed cash, blowing it all out. We're not going out of business. We just have so much stuff that we've been working on for so long, Mm -hmm. kind of like gun shy to pull the trigger on it. I wanted to launch the new packaging and everything very clean. I wanted it to be like old, new, and there was no interruptions. I don't think we're going to have that luxury. So we're going to start rolling the new stuff in, but, um, it's big. Like, I can't wait for the last road to see it. Like there's stuff in there that I've been working on for, yeah, two plus years. And, um, it's going to level up the whole industry. What, like what? (laughs) Can you do like, not do you don't have to tell me exactly what it is, but is it like lashes? Is it liquids? Is it something completely different than it's it's like everything. So like 2021 for sugar lash, I can tell you some things. I will tell you. Okay. Okay. Um, so all the packaging is getting redone. Yeah. The lashes are all getting redone. We've been working on new fibers for so long, coloring, tapers, all of that stuff. The way that we package is going to be different. The way that the lengths are organized in the trays, we're really going to focus as a brand on more types of lashes opposed to, um, you know, only a couple. And then there's single length trays or mixed trays. We're going to do this like hybrid thing, which I don't want to like spill all the beans on. It's going to be a lot more cost effective for the lash artists. And they're going to be able to carry more varieties and like types of fibers opposed to, um, you know, just doing single length trays. And then you get into the diameters and the curls, and then you end up having to order like 48 trays just to have like good stock. We're going to consolidate that down, make it more efficient, more effective. I really hope it's well received because I think it's genius, but obviously I'm biased because it's my idea. (laughs) Um, And then all the packaging is going to be redone. The liquids, lots of the liquids are getting redone. And then we're actually diversifying into some new industries. We're doing some tech stuff. Um, which is going to be, I can't spill the beans on that too much, but just world-class all around, right? Like what is Matt Cosmetics doing? What is Sephora doing? Like, how are they capturing people? How are they driving traffic? Um, How is the customer, how are we creating customer demand? Not just going after the professional lash artists, but I want customers to be knocking down lash artists' doors and saying, I, you know, I want sugar lash because of this. And so um, diversifying out into, you know, professional product, our consumer line's launching next year, we're getting into tech, and then we're getting into one other industry that I, I can't spill yet, but it's so exciting. I, I may have an idea, but <laughs> because I have my mom. an old idea that I did do at one point, and then we pulled it because the logistics were a nightmare, and now we are redoing it, but it is, it's going to be a beast. Yeah, I always feel in our industry which people think a little bit small, I think at times we, we feel like we need to totally try and uh, get in front of the lash artists when really there's everyone else, you know, just like you yeah. said, and the end consumer industry is so much bigger than the lash artist industry because there's more people getting okay. lashes done than there's lash artists. There's more people with makeup on their face yeah. than there is makeup artists. So yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking in terms of YouTube and influencers and stuff like that, that is something that, um, would be great if everyone would utilize because that will totally. really help. Yeah. I'm watching well, a lot of those YouTube people like influencers and, and I go, how can I get my brand in front of them, but with eyelash extensions? Yeah. So I, uh, yeah. Totally. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like hard too, because when you market it, right, you don't want to just market eyelash extensions. You want to like market your specific brand of eyelash extensions. So there has to be a rhyme or a reason to why your brand is different than every other brand. Because if you're just talking about eyelash extensions, really, you're just paying the influencer to market for every competitor that you have out there, right? So you have to be like smart about how you do it. That's very exciting. Is there any more growth for Sugar Lash Pro in Australia? I know you have, you have it over here. Um, yeah, we ship to like 90 countries around the world right now, just from our warehouse here. We are going to be expanding and getting warehouses, whether that's like a third party logistics company and getting them to ship it. I'd love like Australia for whatever reason, bless all your hearts, like love Sugar Lash so much. And I have such a soft spot in my heart for Australia. Like, it's just like, whenever I come to the conferences and stuff, it's like, everyone is just so real and yeah. raw. Like, I just think we're like Canadians and Australians are very similar, but Australians have like three less filters than Canadians do. So, and I don't, I feel like I'm pretty raw and unfiltered as well. So I always feel like very good when I'm there. We, we did intend to do a warehouse there like years ago. I announced it at a conference. Um, so that's kind of the next steps, but I think we're going to launch all this new stuff, build that up and then, and then go and get warehouses in other markets. We're planning on expanding to Australia. Um, South America, Mexico, UK, and Europe, and having local shipping there, which would be that is super exciting. Now, even like we have two day shipping anywhere in the world, so like really, it's not the biggest rush. It's like you can be in Europe and order from us, and it's there in two days. So it's not the end of the world. It's just shipping is a little bit more. No, well, that's awkward. right. Yeah, because it goes by weight. I mean, when I ship overseas, it's just the weight that makes it a bit more expensive. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Um, were you always planning on growing Sugar Lash Pro to what it is today? No. I, I, for a long time, I like resented how big it got because mm. I thrive in small businesses. Like I thrive where I can like pivot so fast and like change my ideas and then we're going to do this and this doesn't work. Okay. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We need to send another email. Like what are our sales at like per hour? Okay. Put another Instagram post up, do this. When you get to this size, it's like bringing on a product. It used to be this, like, you know, I'd, I'd, you know, source it, order it. It was no big deal. If it flopped, it flopped, it, whatever. Now, every decision that I make is this like $800,000 decision. So I really have to like think it through, do market research, do whatever. And it slowed us down and it used to, it has driven me crazy for years. I've adapted to it now, but there was a lot of times where I was just like, I just want to go back to, you know, like I, I thrive like 3 million and under. You know what I mean? And then after that, it's like, I don't want to look at spreadsheets and market research and all of this <laughs> stuff, but I've embraced it. I've learned it. Now I'm comfortable, but it was, there was a couple of years there that I was so highly uncomfortable. And I'm like, I shouldn't be the CEO of this company. Every, almost every competitor that I have, um, that's up to a large scale. The founders have stepped down from that CEO position because it is like so taxing. And so like, we didn't go to business school. We didn't do all this stuff but I, I really thrive on being uncomfortable and like learning and progressing. And so I've just, yeah. you know, I've tried to put that like imposter syndrome out of my mind and be like, no, I am really smart. I am like really adaptable. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to do it. So, and I'm pretty fearless, right? I, I thrive on risk. And so I think for someone to fill my shoes would be quite hard. So I, I, I'm pretty confident in the position that I'm in now and I think I'm in it for the long haul. Yeah. If anyone is listening to this who whose plan is to be one of the biggest lash brands? What would you say are some of the biggest things they should be looking at doing or not doing? What are some mistakes that you made along the way? 
Oh, I've made a lot. Um, always talk about your business as big as you want it to be. Like talk about it like you're already there. I don't even like to use the word like manifest it, but it's like if you believe that it'll get there, like even when it was just a one woman operation, right? I'd always be like, we're busy in the warehouse. We are doing this when really it's just me at home shipping your orders, right? Um, busy day in the salon. We're fully booked. We're this. And so, you know, there's those little like almost like white lies you tell in the beginning. I don't want to even say that they're lies. It's just like, you're just talking about it like it is successful. And then it, that follows behind. Right. Um, mistakes I've made uh, hiring people. I think the biggest lesson I've learned over the 11 years, 12 years, 11, 12 years in the industry, or just as a business owner in general for me is I now hire based on personality more than anything. Yeah. And, um, someone could be the most skilled, have the most glowing reviews, be super confident. But if they don't have the strength to deal with my strength, I always will drive them away or like break them or whatever, because I'm not a, I'm not an easy personality to work for. Right. So now I hire people that I know are going on an exact level. Like they're going to breathe the business, even the, in the warehouse. Like we have, we got um, on that day that we launched a sale, we had over a thousand orders in a day. Um, and so my, the president of the company is in the warehouse. She was in the warehouse today shipping. And I just know that people like my team, it's like, they're going to fill in the holes and not going to be like, well, that's not on my job description or that's this, or are you going to pay me extra? And I dealt with that for a really, really long time. I also think at the beginning, it was just really hard because I was so young, right? It's hard when you're 25 or 26 and you're managing people that are like 47 and whatever, yeah. and you're, you know, calling them on their shit. Um, they don't love that. And so now that I'm a little bit older and a little bit wiser, hire people like similar personalities to me, just so we just push each other, right? When they feed off my energy, I feed off their energy. It's yeah. not my energy and they're weaker. And then I'm, you know, butting heads. That. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Having people that are more driven than just working for someone, right? Yeah. I love that. Well, I have a team now where it's like the director of the, of each, you know, kind of thing. It's like, they really treat it like it's their business. Like wow. they, if you're in product development, it's like, Tamara, Tamara's her name. She's like, she's not sleeping. She's up till 2am because she's working on this project because it's like her, it's her thing. And so when you're like able to give them the space to own that, and then they have the drive to like really progress it, then they get the wins. And obviously you get the wins of the company as well. Do you have someone who manages your team or do you do that yourself? Because I'm wondering if you have such amazing team leaders now in your company, surely someone must keep them very happy. And so there must be an amazing company culture somehow and who provides that, if not you. I think, well, so I have, I have um, Kim is her name. She's the president of um, Sugar Lash Pro. She's like my right hand. So she kind of deals with like the internal team. I deal with lots of the external team. So like if we have like an ad agency or a marketing agency or the photography team or whatever, I deal with the outsource. She makes sure that people in-house are happy and supported and, you know, fills in the gaps to support them. Mm. I think the culture at Sugar Lash Pro is we don't, we don't like delegate down. We like support up. So it's like, what are you working on? Like, are you overwhelmed? How can I help you? And then we just kind of go underneath them and like lift them up instead of being like, do this, where is this, whatever, which was like that for a lot of years, but now Kim was coming in, <laughs> you know, she's, but with that said, it's, 
it's, we're a pretty cutthroat, not a cutthroat company. That sounds so negative, but like people that aren't the hardest workers, they just don't last. It's just like no different than it would be like working at a Vogue or at a Tom Ford. I want people to have the respect for the brand like they would working at those things and they should feel stressed and they should feel like I better, you know, do my best work every day. Um, because I try and set that standard. Kim sets that standard and then it flows down to the rest of the organization, no matter what level they're at. It's like, you better be working as hard as you can and you better be, you know, tired at the end of the day because that's, you know, we pay well and we have a small team. We keep it small and we keep people really talented and, um, yeah, reward them for the hard work. It makes me want to work for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a hustler. You would do well and you're strong. <laughs> what was like your biggest win personally, even in this 2020 crappy year, but what, what's the personal biggest win you had? Well, this October marks the one year since, so last year at this time, I actually had a Facebook memory that was, I was in Scotland this time last year. And that was the trip. That was our last trip as a family. Um, me and Dustin, who's now my ex-husband had told the kids that we were separating on that trip. We just thought we'll have like one amazing family thing. And then as soon as that plane touched the tarmac, I like we landed at like 10 p.m. and I just grabbed my bags and came to. We have a lake house that I now live in, um, so it's been a year um, apart. We're still the best of friends, and the right. kids are thriving and everything's thriving. But it's been a crazy year of like a lot of self development and a lot of like, who was I when I got into that marriage? Who did I become? You know it wasn't my choice to end that marriage. It was very much like he felt like I wasn't what I was advertised as, you know what I mean? Like I got married at 21. And so really when I started that, I was like, I want to be a stay at home mom and I want to cook meals and I want to clean. And now it's like, <laughs> I could not be bothered to do any of those things. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I sometimes wish just like, you're like, should I work for someone else? I'm like, I wish that I was content with that. Like, I wish that that would be enough, but it's just not. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's been like this serious year of, um, I don't know, like embracing the pain and like, what is life trying to teach me? And like, who do I want to be? And who am I really at my core? I think you lose that when you're in like a partnership with someone who doesn't necessarily appreciate you for the things that you are really good at and what everyone else loves you for, they almost like resent you for a little bit. Yeah. Um, with that said, it's like the healthiest situation. Like he's coming over on Saturday to go trick or treating with the kids and my boyfriend is here and like my boyfriend and him go out for beers. And so it's like, it's a very cool situation. Um, but it's been, it's been a trip. It's tough when you've been a couple and uh, a unity for so many years and all of a sudden you're set free like a bird and you go like oh where do I fly first <laughs> but totally it must be super hard yeah yeah super hard super fun super like it's just everything it's just like there's nothing that it's not it's just it's so overwhelming and um mm. it's been I don't know it's been like the best year of my life and the worst year of my life and like there's been so many amazing things that happen in business so many awful things same thing personally it's just been a ride 2020 is crazy. What is something that people seem to misunderstand about you? What is something that you always hear or you see online and you go, no, um, that's not how I feel or think. 
I think that people think that I'm like a mega bitch and I'm really not. Um, I'm strong. Like I'm very strong and I'm opinionated. I will say that in the history of doing business, I've never, despite what, you know, educators who have left the company or whatever, if people decide that it's not a fit or they don't, you know, they want it a different way and they want to move on a hundred percent. I am like, so just like go, you know, people want to quit. People want to do whatever. Um, I'm not heartless. I actually like, there's been so many times that I've cried about the business. Um, I really do care about people and I love people like very, very hard. I just don't bring emotion into the workplace. I don't because I'm so driven and I'm like, so like high level, big picture thinker. And I just want to like make moves and keep rolling. If people get upset about this or upset about that, or they want to like pick stuff apart or be whiny or whatever, I'm very quick to just be like, it's not a fit. But it doesn't mean that personally, I don't like you as a person. And it doesn't mean that I miss, like, I wish you ill. I think sometimes if I'm quick to let people go or like be like, you know, maybe it's not a fit, we should maybe move on. I think it seems kind of like cutthroat, but it's not cutthroat. I just never want to have anyone in a situation where they don't feel a thousand percent excited about it. Because if you don't feel excited about it, there's no point in doing it. If I don't feel excited about you, there's no point in us trying to like force this. You know, it's just like, it's no different than dating. You're in a relationship and when you reach a conclusion, this isn't it. Sure, you could drag it out for a year and waste a year of your life and, you know, your mental health suffers and all of that, or you can just call it what it is. And so I think in the industry, well, I was told this actually live on a podcast. No one on Instagram live. I was so thrown off. She just like slammed me with like, you have a, a reputation in the industry for being like cutthroat and like awful. And I was like, I do. And so then I started digging and it is what it is. I don't know. I just, I'm so clear on my vision and what I want that you're either on the ship or you're off the ship. And it doesn't really matter to me. Like I'm going to do what I'm going to do regardless of, you know, now I have a team that's like super, super stable, but it wasn't like that for a lot of years. Yeah. That's really interesting. What do you, you look at someone like, like Gary V or whatever people can say, Oh, well, he's an asshole, but he's not actually an asshole. He's just like, let's just do this or let's not do it. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I resonate with, do you ever have like team nights where you go out for a drink or something like that? Then I'm sure you're not that kind of businesswoman. If you, yeah. So it's the difference of being at work and then having some fun out, you know, that's why you are where you are. (laughs) If you were always being led by emotion, you probably wouldn't have a business like you have today. No, and it's true. And it's, it's, I think it's hard for me when people bring, you know, lots of personal stuff. I, even when I was going through my divorce this year, it's not like I would have the ability to, you know, step away from stuff or, or whatever. It's like, you have to keep it going and you have to stay focused and, and just like, honestly, just like, um, authentic to your life's calling. And even when it's hard, it's like you owe your customers, you know, you owe your customers and you owe your staff. And like a lot of people are relying on, on you to be strong. And I, I feel like that the same from my team, like you rely on me to be strong and I rely on you to be strong for me as well. Not that it's like, Oh my gosh, they're going through something. Like, it's like, I'm the first person to be like, take a mental health day, take a few days off. But then it's like, when you come back, you're on. Isn't it funny though, how women, when they're strong business women and they are successful, they are classified as, Oh, she must be a bitch. 
Yeah. But if a male is successful and driven, they go like, wow, he's awesome. He's so good and cool. Isn't it? Right. It's, wow. it's like, it's so upsetting. Like guys aren't, you know, just whining about this or that. It's like, you know, they move <laughs> on. I've just always been like that. I just, I have on. a, I have a very, um, I'd say like a masculine energy, like even in our, even in my personal life with, with my ex, it was like, he was very much the mom and I was very much the dad. Like I was the one that would come home and I'd be tired and, and whatever, and play with the kids for a bit, but you're kind of like still in your head about work. And it's like, oh, and then every interview you do is like, how, how is it being a mom? And how is it? No one's asking guys that. Like no one asks guys that. It's just like, it doesn't matter if they're the worst dad in the world or whatever. No one's like, how do you sleep at night working so hard and having kids? And it's like, they're fine. They have a good life. They have the friends. They have support systems. I have a good relationship with them. Probably could be better if I wasn't so busy, but it is what it is. And I just, you know, I, I focus on quality time more than quantity, I guess, where it's like when we're together, yeah. let's go on a trip and let's do the funnest things or let's like make the coolest memories or whatever, but it's not like an everyday, I'm tucking them into bed every night and, you know, doing all that stuff. So, mm. but yes, <laughs> that's right. Guys have it easier. That's all I will say about it. Yeah. I hope that this stigma, I wonder where it's going to be like in 10 years. I, I hope it's not the same. Surely it can't be exactly the same anymore. Where do you see the industry in 10 years? The that, that it's developing. Yeah. Oh, I think we're going to see like a lot more like customizations to stuff like remember back in the day where it was like you just can't do a strip lash effect with lash extensions and i always was like that's so not true it's just people aren't trying right everyone's kind of the status quo and so we're really trying to like push it and say like these are all the effects that you can create and i think that we're actually going to see my forecast is we're going to see colored lashes become a bigger thing which is not my favorite thing but i think that uh i don't know people are going to get like bored of the status quo and you're just going to have to adapt and, and do whatever. I think we'll see like different textures coming out. I feel like bottom lashes are going to be a bigger thing coming up. Like there's going to be lots of stuff. I mean, hopefully that I'm spearheading it with Sugar Lash Pro and then, you know, the rest will catch up. But um, yeah, I think we'll just see some like very like avant-garde stuff coming out. Yeah, I hope so. I, I think in Australia, and I mean, our industry here is really small in comparison to the US or Canada mm -hmm. or even Europe. We are very, very small. We, we are an island. So there's only so many lash artists. But I feel like everyone is starting to fear that it's going downhill, a little bit like a nail industry where there's lots of Chinese places now doing nails, but nails used to be like a luxury service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really hope for this industry, especially here in Australia, that we keep that standard to have it be a luxury service and not go down the road to salon ABC and pay $50 for a set of lashes, Australian $50, which is totally. similar to Canadian. Yeah. That's, what, that's my hope, but I, yeah, I can't predict where it's going to go. I mean, I think yeah. if you look at any industry, like the hair industry, and it's been around for so long, and it's like, I almost feel like when those, like the nail salons and the cheap places and stuff, it's like, it's almost, people get scared about it, but it's almost good because it just like differentiates, like it, it widens the gap, right? Like you look at the hair yeah. industry, I don't know if you guys have like great clips or whatever, but you look at those like chain Great clips is just like, you know, you go get a $20 haircut. Cheap. Yeah, we have something like, like that, supercuts or something. Yeah, supercuts. Yeah, yeah, supercuts. Um, same thing. And so there's always going to be a clientele for that. But it's like the 
farther down they go, it almost rises, like raises us up if we're willing to like hold that spot. Yeah. I hope but yes, so. undercutting the worst business strategy of life. Like I will say it, everyone should hear it. Lash artists should not be making less than $90 an hour. Just don't do it. If you feel like you can't justify $90 an hour, build a better brand, take another lash course and get better. Just do what you need to do to like maintain that margin because like, why wouldn't you? Yeah, that's right. I'm going to ask you a couple more questions if that's okay. And then we've yeah, gone for almost an hour. <laughs> um, this is something that really interests me because I have a lot of great stories about that myself. But tell me, in a memory, do you have a student or a customer that really touched your heart? And then because of that one person, you may have changed some of your practices or you have gotten a new idea, someone that's really influenced you and really touched your heart? I have one. I don't know if it affected my overall business practices, mm -hmm. but I had one customer and I think it was just kind of like the, the realization that like it's lashes, but it's so much more than mm -hmm. lashes. So I had this customer, she's the oldest customer I'd ever done lashes for. She was like 83, like maybe 87. I don't remember. Definitely in her eighties, very old. Like I was like, I can't believe this lady's getting lashes, like good for her. Mm -hmm. Um, and she came to me for like six months and then she kind of told me that she was like sick and I just kind of like, you know, she's old and whatever. Like I wasn't like shocked. Um, and then she called me one day and she was like, I hate to ask this, but she's like, I'm really sick and I'm too sick to go, um, to come to you. And normally I would never do a house call, but she lived like three blocks from me and I was still home based at the time. And so I went to her house and she was just like, so like, she was just like so sick. And it was like, kind of like jarring to see her like that. Um, and she laid on her couch and I did her lashes and um, like, she, we didn't really talk and whatever. And then I like found out, yeah, like, I don't know, maybe like three or four weeks later, like her daughter had called me and she had passed away and she like had the lashes for her. Like she was like, like buried with like the lashes that I did for her. Mm -hmm. And her daughter just said like, I just want you to know that she's like, that was, she just said that that was the only thing that like made her still feel like human and like, okay. In those last days, like she was just like, I just need my lashes. Like, I just, I don't want to look sick. I don't want to whatever. And so like, little did I know, like she was like literally about to pass away. And her daughter just said like, I just want you to know like how much we appreciate that you did that. And like, that wasn't why I was doing it. Like I didn't realize the severity of the situation, but, um, it's just like, it's just so much more meaningful than we give it credit for. I think. Isn't it? That's amazing that you have that story. I have a very, very similar story, but with hair. Cause I used to be a hairdresser um, and I had this old lady. She was also quite sick and I did house calls for her. I did a little bit of a, a wash to make her hair purple. That's the thing over here. When they're gray, they like to have purple hair and then okay. they set it into little rollers. And I did it once a week for her. And that's the only thing she ever looked forward to. And then um, I think it was two days before she passed away. I went and did her hair as well. So it's such a similar story, isn't it? It's crazy. It's how. They just so hold on to this one thing they always look forward to and they take it with them. 
And yeah. I just think it's like, you know, and it, it's like the lash industry is still so new. Like we're getting, we're getting there where it's like, oh, she owns a big lash company. And people are like, oh, okay. Like they know what it is now. But at the beginning it was just like, you know, what do you mean lashes or like, oh, it, like beauty industry is this or it's that. And it's like kind of like negative connotations, like we're a bunch of just like airheads running around or something. And it's like the people in the beauty industry are in the beauty industry because there is tons of money to be had. It's like pretty easy skill to learn considering how much income you can make off of it. Like what other industry in the entire, you know, what other industry can you go to a two day course or an online course or whatever and make like 75 grand to like 250 grand a year. Like I was making, even when I was just um, doing it out of my house, obviously there's not a lot of overhead, but like I was still making like 175 grand a year after an awful one day course. And it's like, how amazing is that? Like, it's so life changing. And then on the customer side, it's like lashes, whatever. But it's like, when you have lashes on, everybody knows that you feel like more powerful and more confident and you can like step into your power more. And um, it's just so much bigger than we give it credit for. It absolutely is. And I feel horrible without my lashes, but I haven't had time to get them done for over a month. So I, I, feel, I feel less myself. I'm wearing myself. literally two pairs of strips right now because I am, <laughs> I'm like, I do not have two hours to lay down right now. Sorry. No, you're bold as well. Just like me. I just have the skills to put my lashes on this morning. I like your smoky under eye though. It looks fantastic. Oh, thanks. Now the last question I ask every single guest on the show is stepping into my shoes. What is one thing that you would have asked yourself and why? Hmm. I don't know. I think, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say the one thing that I think I wanted to get across. Yeah. So I think for me as a woman and as someone who was never, if people don't know, like my backstory, like I am not academic. I barely passed high school. Like I struggled so much academically. I think a lot because I'm not super smart with like math or sciences or whatever, but I'm like socially very smart and I'm very um, like strategic. I'm a very strategic high level thinker. Um, I still don't look at spreadsheets. I still don't, you know, I have people that do all that stuff. And I think that especially with Instagram, I just feel like everyone's trying to portray this like super perfect life. And it's like gotten to the point, I don't know, I'm like almost so sickened by it, if that makes sense. Not in like a way that I like wish people ill or, or whatever, to each their own. It's just how exhausting has it become that we feel this pressure to be everything, like the perfect mom and the perfect thing. Or you, like if someone was to tell me at 19, you're going to be the CEO of a $20 million lash company. Like I would have ran for the hills. Like there's no <laughs> way I could have ever done it. But when you stay open to what life's going to throw at you, and when you are committed to putting in the work, you're just going to, you're just going to make it happen. That's like, that's just the end of it, right? It's just like the number one thing that the only thing that anyone needs to be successful, whether you want a huge lash company or you want to keep it small and do it really well, is like you just need grit and resiliency. And if you have those things, and if you stay open to learning from every mistake you make, celebrating every win you make, um, staying true to who you are, not giving in to the whole 
I need to be perfect at all times and I need to be this or that. Um, oh, you, it just flies. Like it just, it's so out of your control. Like I, there was no point at any point in my career where I said, I want Sugar Lash Pro to be this. I still don't. It's going to be what it's going to be. All I know is that I'm going to learn every day. I'm going to try my hardest and I'm going to just make a world or make a line or a product or everything that I do that supports my ideal customer and like success will just follow behind it. But I think when we get into our heads of this like perfectionism and this and that, and I, well, I don't know how to do this. Well, I don't know how to do this. It's so easy to find the problems or it's so easy to find like your own insecurities and feed into them. I'm scared every day every single day. There's not a day that I'm not wildly uncomfortable or scared or am I doing the right thing or whatever, but it drives me and it propels me forward instead of it stopping me. So I think when people can wrap their head around the fact that you just need grit and tenacity, like you're unstoppable, but yeah. people don't give themselves that credit. That's totally true. And then the question that I would have asked you would have been, do you need to have a high level of education and do you need to be perfect at everything? to be successful uh -huh. and your answer is very very true no <laughs> i love that yeah because i was very very bad at school as well <laughs> and this is why I think lots of entrepreneurs are right it's like we're <laughs> bad students we're gonna be bad employees so you better figure something else out i want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. You enjoy your wine now. I hope that I know that a lot of the viewers and listeners got so much out of it. It's very inspirational what you've done. One of the biggest companies in the world. I can only dream of it. <laughs> and um, I hope you I get feeling it. Yeah, I hope I get to see you in who knows in the next two or three years when we are allowed to travel again. <laughs> Let's hope. I, uh, maybe yeah. not 2021, but the next year for sure. We will make it happen. We should have the biggest global lash thing that's ever been done it would be amazing yeah, that would be great you have to put it on <laughs> okay i'm on it we were going to do a conference and we canceled it so maybe i'll just redo oh, wow. it now. yeah we're all coming to you i'll fly i was due to go to canada this year as well it was all cancelled so i would yeah. love yeah. all right no, that's good. well thank you so much for having me all the best dream big Bye. Okay. Talk to you soon.